And I've seen a lot of investors go into a deal initially as maybe small investors as well um, without being well capitalized. And I'll guarantee you right now there's going to be people that's going to be in trouble because you know they're like just barely scraping by with good rent collection and suddenly if their rent collection drops 10 or 20%, they can't pay their debt anymore and they get in trouble. So have money in the bank, even if it's a good day, just have some money set aside so you can cover those unexpected expenses, drop in occupancy, you know, whatever it may be, right? So just be, be ready for that. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here's your host, Annette Talee. Welcome to another episode of Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Talee, and my guest today is Jens Nielsen. Welcome, Jens. Hi, Annette. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to talk to you today. I am very excited too. So let me tell you people about Jens. He immigrated from Denmark in 1996 and after a career in IT, he became an entrepreneur and started investing in multifamily real estate. He currently owns 74 units in New Mexico and Colorado and is a general partner on over 750 syndicated units around the country. Wow, that's very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Over the last few years, he also passively invested in 14 syndications, private investments spanning over 800 units, 2,000 mobile park lots, and over 6,000 storage units, plus mortgage note funds and private money lending. Jens also has a passion for coaching new investors and enable their success through strategy, accountability, and personal growth. Awesome. So tell me, how did you go from IT to real estate investing? Tell me a little bit about that story. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Uh, so, you know, I've, I've had a good career in IT and, you know, made good money, you know, working. But I also realized that if I ever wanted to retire, that the traditional retirement plan that we have, you know, 401k and everything else, you know, it felt like it was going to take too long and I would have to work another 20 years and just, you know, spend the rest of my good life working for somebody else. And I kind of had that realization five years ago. I was like, I need to do something different. I need to take my, my financial future in my own hands and really go out there and make something for myself. Because I've always been relying on somebody else to give me a job. If I wanted more money, I had to find a, you know, a new job or something like that or a promotion. So I said, Hey, this is the time to do something. And I picked up, like many people, you know, you, you, I started listening to some audiobooks and podcasts. And I was like, man, this is the way to go. Real estate investing is really the approach that's going to uh, excel and, and, and give me to that next level in life. So that's, that was the decision I made. I'm, st I'm still employed, but the, the, the real estate is really taking off. And this summer, I am going to go to part-time in my job and then eventually exit my, my job. So I'm super excited about that. OMG. So you are still working your IT job? Yes. So for people that say, I don't have time, like there is no excuse. I also work. Uh, I have a W2 job. I do work part-time, but I have two kids <laughs> and I do property management. So I am pretty busy. And then I still find time. Like if you have a passion and you are really uh, focused, you can get, you know, small steps take you a long way. 
So that's Absolutely. very impressive. The deal. All right. So what deal do you want to talk about today? Yes, I think, you know, uh, the, the one deal that I think may be pretty interesting for your uh, audience is this 11 unit uh, apartment complex we purchased in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And it's been, um, it's been two and a half years, actually three and a half years now. Yeah, I'm trying to see, yeah, it's three and a half years since we bought it. So it's been a little while, but pretty interesting, uh, um, you know, pr uh, project or, or, or property <clears throat> because it was, you know, I had started, I had bought a couple of smaller deals and I wanted to go up something a little bit bigger, you know, kind of into the commercial size, five units and above. And I had a good relationship with my broker and he, I kept saying, well, what's next? What's next? Said, well, I found this, this property. It was uh, like 370, no, it was listed at over $400,000 initially for 11 units. We went and, you know, we, we, we looked at it and we're like, man, this, this is not worth that kind of money. Little, you know, a little bit run down, it doesn't work and stuff. And, but the attractive thing was the seller wanted to offer seller financing. So, you know, that was immediately, hey, it's a lot easier than having to go and go to the bank and, you know, produce all of the paperwork and pay all that money. So that was attractive, it was seller finance. What I didn't like about the deal initially was, you know, as I mentioned, it was a little bit tired. And this, the sellers were just kind of like, I guess almost slumlords because they didn't really do any work on there. Was so it a, we, a C class, B class, D class? A C, maybe C minus at that you know, time. I think, I, think. If, I think for me, if I hear seller financing and it's not D class, I am all for it. You know, depending on the price, obviously, but you know, you know, if you can get it with low money down and then seller finance, you know, it's probably going to be a really good deal. <laughs> yeah. I think they realized that it was going to be difficult to go out and get bank financing because of the condition the property was in. Um, so they offered the seller finance. They owned it outright. Um, you know, so me and my broker spent some time looking at it and we're like, well, I think 375 is probably the a number that makes more sense. But we also realized, hey, we probably have to put Fifty to a hundred thousand dollars worth of rehab into this property. I was like, you know, that's that's too much. It just didn't really the numbers didn't really add up. So I was kind of, you know, potentially looking looking to walk away from it. But then my broker, and this is really the creative thing. I think it's awesome about this. Is um, my broker said, well, why don't we come up with a uh, let's come up with lower down payments. I think I paid like fifty thousand dollars down, right? So you know, it was what was that? 10 to 15%. But the interesting part was, let's see if we can negotiate like a 10 month no payment. So basically for the first 10 months of this, of the ownership, we didn't have any payment and not even any accrued interest. We just didn't pay for 10 months. And then we used the cash flow to start rehabbing the property. So I didn't have to come up with, you know, all that money to rehab it. So we, uh, we basically just started, um, you know, when there's some vacant units, we would take the cast for them, we would put it, pour it back to straight into the units, you know, and we put a new roof on it because down in New Mexico, a lot of flat roofs, which, you know, if they start leaking, you have a major problem. So we, we started, we replaced the roof immediately. And then we started rehabbing the units. Um, 
you know, and that was anywhere from five to 10 grams, you know, some needed a lot of work, some just studs, other were just more cosmetic. So we just kind of went through that process. Um, so that was, that was kind of just the start of that. I don't know how, how much more you want to dig into. Like, yeah, so, so let's unpack a little bit. So let's talk about how did you find the deal? Was this a listed deal or did your broker bring it to you through your relationship? I think it was listed. I think it was listed by a, by a you know, residential broker, which is kind of interesting, right? Because they don't know how to really um, uh, market it very well. And it was I like know. right around, I'm sorry, go ahead. I love those deals that the real, the, uh, you know, the residential brokers have because, you know, the commercial people are not looking there. You know, so you can find good deals in the residential MLS because the brokers don't know. The challenge is getting to understand that you cannot price it the way that you would in a house. You know, like it's not the same. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, and I think then, you know, my broker had a relationship with the selling broker and they connected that way, right? So, so, and I think the key piece here, you know, having a really good, this, this gentleman who was, I've been working with for the last four or five years, uh, he, he's very well connected in the community, you know, well respected, you know, an older gentleman and really is making himself known. So I think a lot of brokers will connect with him if they have a deal they want to sell. So that's been a really good relationship. And, you know, he's become a mentor of mine and we actually partnered. So that's, it's more than just that broker relationship. So, so that's been, that's been super awesome there. And how did you find this broker? <laughs> so that was from, uh, so that's maybe you're stepping back a little bit. So when I first started, I wanted to invest in real estate. I was like, who do I know who's doing this? And one of my good friends, I live in a small town, but one of my good friends has actually um, invested in real estate. And I had, you know, dinner with him. And I said, who do you know I should know? That's a question Ooh, I people like should it. ask. Who do you know that I should know? I don't know. I, I heard it somewhere. I can't take credit for this, but. Um, so, and he said, oh, you know, you need to call up this Mr. Chuck down in Albuquerque. He has done deals with me. You know, I, you know, I really respect him. So I called him up and I said, Hey, I'm a new investor. I want to start investing. And I think one of the things I did early on, I, I committed to the process, you know, we found a, a four unit and I was able to close on it. And I didn't, you know, I didn't waste his time. So he felt like it is a guy who's going to take action. I think. You know, from a broker, you have to, you're protecting your time, right? You don't want to waste a bunch of time with, with people. So he knew that I could take action and therefore it, um, it really, you know, pushed us forward that way. Awesome. Yeah, that's very important. Like, don't waste their time because then they are not going to bring you any deals if you're that's not right. able to close. Absolutely. All right. So you said the, the listing price was uh, $375, um, but you were able to lower it. Oh, no, wait, actually, I think the listing price was 400. Yeah, 425, I think. Okay. We we're able to lower it. Um, so it lowered to 375. Um, you know, and it, I think, the, and then we negotiated all you know, the, the terms with, the, with the, the seller, and we ended up getting his 5% interest. I think it was 25 year amortization and was it a 70 year balloon? I think it was. Um, you know, so fairly reasonable terms there, but the interesting piece was that, you know, the 10 months, I didn't have to pay anything for 10 months, you know, so we were collecting, you know, $6,000 in rent 
and most of that we could pour straight back into the property, right? So I didn't have to come out with a bunch of additional casts. Obviously, my cash flow was also not very good because I put all the money back into the deal. Right? That right. was okay. And how many partners did you do this with? Just or myself, just me and my also, wife. Just, yeah. just you. Yeah. yeah. Also, we it was excellent because you didn't have to, you know, ask anybody, should we do this, should we do that? It was all your decision. And you said, you mentioned that the broker um, had the idea of, you know, no payment. How did the seller react to this initially? Yeah, I wasn't, I didn't, you know, have the initial conversation with the seller, but I think they realized that they probably weren't going to be able to get the money they wanted for it. So we, you know, uh, without becoming creative because it needed so much work. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of worked out. I think we initially had, I think what changed, I'm trying to remember, we initially had a lower uh, interest rate if we we're just going to buy it for that price. He was offering a lower interest rate, but I wouldn't get that opportunity for that no payment. Uh, once we started negotiating, it changed to a little bit higher interest rate. I think we had to come up with a little bit more money, but we got that, you know, the six months, which essentially was, you know, 50 or 60 grand we, we, we earned, right? Um, so, you know, the terms changed a little bit, but it was still fine. I mean, 5%, you know, three, three and a half years ago was still pretty reasonable interest rate. So, But it, yeah. it shows that, you know, you can be flexible with the owner, right? Like you didn't stop at, okay, we cannot do it. So, okay, let's see how we can do it. Yeah. No, I think as real estate investor, we're here to solve the problem, right? What is the, what is the seller's problem? But this seller, he was tired of managing it. They're typical mom and pop managers and they were in friends with everybody and people paying them cash and being late and just a mess. And they needed to get out of it. And you know, that was their problem. So we were able to come up with a creative solution that solved their problem and solved my problem of wanting to buy without having to put a ton of money into it. Absolutely. And so tell me, what were the rents before and once you took over and we were able to improve it, how did it improve? Uh, yeah, so rents were very low. They were like under 500 bucks. They were anywhere from, I think, 350 to 500. Um, and, you know, as we slowly, so there's some one, it's a mix of one and two bedrooms, I think about 50 50. Um, you know, as we go in there and, and rehab them, we're able to raise the rents the, the one bedroom so like 550 and the two bedrooms to like 650 and that may sound cheap depending on where you are but in that market that's that's the going rate right so yeah <laughs> uh, you know for for you know class c c minus kind of property that's that's what they rent for but um and you know so so we've actually in the, the later ones this year we were able to raise rent to like yeah 650 675 which is pretty good for for that market so it definitely improved the cash flow quite a quite a lot awesome and and what type of um renovations did you do in the apartments did you completely remodel the apartments or did you do like a you know it was a c class right so what type of renovations did you um yeah so we started with the roof i guess because in in you know in southwest flat roofs and you don't want us to leak so we put a like a tpo like um uh, like a rubber roof on there and then we started doing the, the the units i don't like you know i don't like carpets in my apartments because it's it's ugly and it wears and it's whatever so if there were carpets in the units we would put in uh, either tile or or um, 
or the vinyl plank flooring, like depending on. Tile has been very popular in the Southwest. Um, it seems like they're moving more to the vinyl plank flooring because it's better value for money. So we would put that in on the floor. We would, um, the bathrooms were pretty bad. So most of them we would tear down all the, the shower walls, even they pull the tub out and redo that. So the bathrooms got a really heavy rework because there were some mold issues and stuff. Um, the kitchens, we tried to leave the kitchens because again, we didn't want to spend, you know, 15 grand on a class C. So we tried to leave the kitchens, you know, maybe just paint them. Uh, if the countertops are good, we'll leave that in there. Um, you know, so just kind of, what would it take to make it nice for the price range? So we've done anywhere from my, my, anywhere from like four to $5,000 all the way to 10 grand. And the 10 grand was because we needed a new heater and a water heater. Um, you know, and that, that added up, right. That's quickly, you know, $3,000 for that stuff. Right. So, um, right. that's been a mix and we put new windows in because it had the old, like aluminum single pane windows and we put, you know, new windows in as well. So it's been pretty significant for sure. Yeah. That that's, um, awesome. You know, if you, you do the four, 4,000 on the units that, and you have to really look at the, the market, you know, like some markets, don't need to have a granite countertop to to rent for more and other markets is expected so you have to like i i realized that on one of my units that i kind of improved it a little bit too much for the market and then once i had the renters i realized that that was probably too much for this market like i didn't need stainless steel appliances you, you know white appliances would have worked fine so um yeah, yeah. awesome and, and, and we may have put you know some of these units you know, if we're just looking at the bottom line, we may put more money into it than we should, but I'm also not looking to exit in five years. You know, I'm looking for a longer term hold because I don't have any investors to answer to. So if I can get it kind of, you know, nice, kind of, you know, running, I don't have to, to, to worry about repairs. I just want to hang on to it, right? And do cash flow for as long as I can, right? Awesome. Expert tips. All right, so now we are in the part of the show where you're going to give me three expert tips. And you wanted to talk about underwriting. That's right. <laughs> so uh, I think the expert tips are, number one, there's a story in the rent roll that we need to read. And by that story, I mean, look at what are the delinquencies and what are the, what are the uh, you know, delinquencies and, and late fees that people are paying quite often you will see a very high number under there and that's really a, a red flag because that means that you are having a lot of trouble collecting rent it may be an income stream but it's also a lot of headaches to collect late rent so kind of look at the story in the in the rent roll um, and then see are people late on rent regularly because that's a red flag for sure so how do you deal with this? If, if you see one that has a lot, like it could be also the management team not being, not managing properly and not following up, correct? So how do you gauge what to do? Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the demographics and say, okay, what neighborhood are we in? Is this, you know, is this, should this neighborhood or should this property in this neighborhood have these problems? or is it just poor management, right? So I think the next kind of the next tip is look at all the other expenses and really see what, 
how is it being managed, right? Is there, are there very high, you know, management costs? Are there very high repairs and maintenance costs, right? So all those things kind of paints a picture. But I think too many people get stuck in their spreadsheets and they just plug the numbers in and they try to normalize everything. I thought it looks good, but you really have to look at that, that those numbers. And my second tip is really, if you see a very high expense ratio, be careful about assuming you can just go in there and, 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 and change that because are you sure that you can operate this deal better than the current owner can, right? Maybe, but don't be very careful about those assumptions because everybody says, oh, you should have 50% expense ratio, maybe. But if you have a very old property where everything breaks every month and you have a lot of repairs in there, it may be very difficult to get down to that level. Um, you know, right. so so that's the that's the that's the other thing on the on the underwriting, and then the, I think the third one, make sure when you underwrite, make sure you put enough reserves into your underwriting, especially now if you're doing larger deals through you know agency financing, they're going to require anywhere from six to eighteen months worth of reserves if you get a Freddie or Fannie loan. So you have to think about that and see, okay, if I put all that money into reserves, how's that gonna affect my returns or you know, the amount of money I need to raise? So definitely consider that as well. Right, so you, you know, if you're doing it by yourself, you're gonna to have to have the money before you even, you know, to put it on reserves, right? But if you're doing a syndication, maybe that can be, you know, you can allocate part of the money to reserve. It's a little bit probably easier to do it. Um, but the requirements have gone high. Yeah, very much so. Um, and what I typically say to people, okay, if you have a value add plan for your property, maybe you put some of that money into reserves and you then, if you can operate the property, you get that back after you know a year or whatever it is, and then you can continue your, your strategy with that money. Um, so it's not like it's money that you need. You may not need to raise all that in addition to your regular raise, but you just got to figure out what the plan is and also, you know, kind of tell your investors that, well, it was a year value-add strategy. Now it's going to be a two-year value-add strategy or something like that. Right? Oh, so, that's, so. that's interesting. That's, so, that's good. And what percentage of reserves would you keep um, in the property or how do you, when you underwrite? not counting the reserves that you know Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are asking but like if even like before the pandemic what would you reserve as your normal percentage um I mean I think I mean percentage is maybe harder but I would look at you know, maybe having six months worth of operating expenses there so you know you can pay your debt you can pay your your insurance and your taxes and things like that right so you have some that does not count does not include any kind of uh, you know rehab or capex expenses that's a whole other thing right but have at least six months or something so you know if things don't go quite as well or if you know in the middle of a pandemic and people or yeah if something like this happens then you're prepared <laughs> that's right um, and i've seen a lot of investors go into a deal initially it's maybe small investors as well um without being well capitalized I'll guarantee you right now there's going to be people that's going to be in trouble because you know they're like just barely scraping by with good rent collection and suddenly if their rent collection drops 10 or 20%, they can't pay their debt anymore and they get in trouble. So have money in the bank, even if it's a good day, just have some money set aside so you can cover those unexpected expenses, drop in occupancy, you know, whatever it may be, right? So just be, be ready for that. Yeah, excellent advice. 
thank you so much for being here. And can you please tell the audience where can they find you if they are um, interested in your mentorship or if they want to contact you? Yeah, so thank you. Yeah, so my website is Open Doors with an S, opendoorscapital.com. And if anybody want to email me, then go to Jens, J-E-N-S, at opendoorscapital.com. And also offer a free strategy call to anybody who wants to get on a call so they can go to opendoorscapital.com slash call, schedule a free 20-minute call with me. I've had 100 of these calls. I love to talk to investors throughout the country or wherever they want for coaching or mentorship or investing, whatever they're looking for. So That's awesome. Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com, where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.